The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Throw down to across. Lindoble, one-timer, scores! Elias Lindoble. Anderson, the Jordano, he shoots, and they score! The captain! The near circle, drops to Kachuk, Kachuk shoots, and scores! Matthew Kachuk! Mobbed by his teammates at center ice! If you stuck around at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome last night, or if you stuck around watching or listening, you were uh, probably pretty entertained with the final, say, eight and a half minutes of that hockey game. Four minutes of regulation and then four and a half minutes of overtime. If you stuck around on our post-game show last night, which you should have, you should always stick around on our post-game show. You got yourself a pretty fired up head coach, Bill Peters. Did not love the effort. Really did not love the effort. He'll take the two points, but listen to this. This sounds like a guy that was going home to watch that game, kick his feet up and clap his hands about what he saw. Here's a little bit of head coach Bill Peters from last night. Let's not be hanging our hat on that. Like, let's not be counting on, on this. Not a recipe for success long term. Not a recipe for success at all. Let's start on time. Let's get physically engaged. Hopefully we're able to make some changes, right? Because we look flat. We look comfortable. We look too comfortable. Yeah, that does not sound like a coach that loved that game, despite the fact his group got two points. And he'll be the first one to tell you, yeah, yeah take the two points. You're never going to give back a win. But in a scenario like that where we've seen this team be so wildly inconsistent through the first 18 games of the season, yeah, I think that the frustration kind of boiled over a little bit for the head coach last night. I get it. They weren't good, and this erratic in-game play has plagued them all year long. Now, luckily, all year long is only a month into the season, but still, it has been so wildly inconsistent to start the year, and that is just another example of, of what, that's a good example. Of course, that's the good way of being inconsistent when you're bad to start and good to finish and you get two points, but it's not always going to work that way. So the coach wanted to send a bit of a message last night. I can tell you, Mr. Klein, that uh, he was not done sending that message uh, when he spoke about 20 minutes ago. The head coach was still pretty fired up. We'll play that a little bit later on this afternoon but the head coach was still very fired up and uh, very much unhappy with what he's seeing from his group I get it I understand it at some point they're going to have to start playing a much more consistent brand of hockey and we talked about this with Lou a little bit before if you want an example of where consistent hard work all of those sorts of cliches can get you look no further than the team they were playing last night in the Arizona Coyotes a team that as of today sits in a playoff spot they are a team that are just dogs to play against and I think if you look at the the team the Flames have more talent than the Arizona Coyotes do but Arizona is getting more out of that talent right now based on the hard work and the consistency that they're putting in front of their goaltender uh, I the, the Flames are not there right now. I was happy with how Bill Peters responded last night. I was a little worried, much like he said uh, post-game, that, that 
Matthew Kachuk goal and a third period comeback kind of masks some of the issues that the Flames have been dealing with. And he just came right out and put almost everyone on blast with that last night. I thought that was the exact right way that you need to handle that situation because this Flames team just flat out right now is not playing good enough. You were you expecting that you were not uh, even a in, little bit. <laughs> so so when you went in to record Bill Peters post game, you weren't expecting that type of reaction from the head coach. No, I I was expecting somewhat of a battled back look like first game after a road trip, didn't have our legs, came in and third period and overtime were able to take advantage. I wasn't expecting. Our veterans need to be better. We changed up everything because no one was playing well. We need to pass. We're still giving up too many freebies. I, I was not expecting any of that. I, I don't know. You guys had um, one of the coaches on when I came back yeah, in. Je- Jeff, Jeff Ward. Uh, Jeff Ward was yeah. in with us. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you saw me. I came back in like I just stunned, wide-eyed. Just what the hell did I just listen to? Because I was not expecting any of that from the, the, the Flames coach last night. No, and I wasn't either, but I understand it. I get totally. it. Like, we're, we're now talking about almost a quarter of the season done, and I, I thought that it was very exciting to see them come back and win that game last night, and we know that this team has an ability to do that. I'm going to float a theory by you in just a second. But, man, they, they, they've been too inconsistent, and it's too far into the season for this to still be – like. Pretty soon, we're on the threshold right now of it no longer being a start of the season, and it's now you're into the season. And and I think that the excuses of an early season start to fade away right around this point and if they haven't uh, already been uh, pushed to the side. And, and I think that that's what the head coach is getting frustrated with, a couple of things. Number one, that we're into November and these things are still plaguing the team. And number two, these things plagued the team early last year. They worked them out, and now they're back and, and regressing to that from how they finished the season last year. If you're a coach, how would that not be frustrating? Uh, and, and I think that that's kind of why that all boiled over a little bit last night. And, and you, you wonder what the con- conversation would be today Klein if they lost that game like when Vinny Henestrosa scored that goal you Will and I when we were like that's probably it like we didn't see that coming I don't think anybody in the building saw that coming because the Flames had been as lackluster as they were to that point and and I'm curious what the conversation would be like today if that's another loss and another loss where you know inconsistency was the biggest reason why yeah I I believe my exact quote after that uh, goal went in was well ball game because it it just it felt over there there was no inkling that there was any comeback coming from the flames I do wonder if part of that comeback from last night's game has to do with uh, an Arizona Coyotes team that as we mentioned kind of gives it their all every night emptying the gas tank through five periods plus an overtime over the last two nights so I I don't know how much can be read into a comeback from the flames but if, if I'm Bill Peters just the, the amount of frustration because you see whether it's the the third period comeback against the Preds, whether it's a third period comeback against Arizona, a complete effort on Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You see what this team is capable of when they do put it together. He must be pulling his hair out by the fact that they don't put it all together on a consistent basis. I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. On the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960, it's early in the season is never a good excuse because it's early for all the teams. Uh, this reads, Pat, I'm in bed by the start of the third. How do you expect me to listen to the post game? You know how I expected to do it? I expect you to suck it up and listen to our post game show. That's what I expect. Wow. 
Dang it. <laughs> no, uh, you, wait, you to put the exclamation early. mark on that. If you, if you go to bed early, you're, you're okay to not listen to the post-game show. Um, dogs, coyotes, pretty clever, Peter. That's right. You said that they, uh, they play, they work like dogs is what you said. I see what you did there. They're coyotes. They're I'm dogs. very clever. You are a very clever person. Um, <laughs> this clearly Klein made Peter's ornery last night. It's a good point. Yeah, uh, definitely. My presence there just made him infuriated. The the whole uh, hey, zero Pat. questions I've asked. Hey, Pat. Hey, Peter. You guys are bang on with how our expectations dictate our reactions to come from behind of to a come-from-behind win. Two years ago, uh, we relished and marveled in those types of wins. Two years removed after a conference title, we have a much different, t- different take. Uh, and and that's, uh, that, I, I'm very much on board with that. Like I think these wins would be a little bit more exciting, and you could just uh, revel in them a little bit more if this wasn't a group that had far higher expectations. Um, but this team's expectations and this team's bar is significantly higher than it was a year ago. So uh, I do think that that's why it's a little easier for us to be critical after a game like that. I certainly know in the 14-15 season we wouldn't be super critical about that even a couple of years ago. I don't know how critical we would have been about that because th- this team was not – this team was, we didn't know if they were a playoff team. We didn't know, if, oh, they, they might make it, they might might not, and that was the big thing is are they going to push for a playoff spot? They won the damn Western Conference last year. That is no longer the expectation. Them to just maybe get in in Game 80 or Game 81 is no longer good enough. So I think that's why you're talking about uh, different expectations with the whole thing. I do have a theory for you. Welcome to the Steinberg Show, by the way. It's Steinberg and Klein along with you on a Wednesday afternoon from the Scotiabank Saddledome. I have a theory I would like to run by you, Mr. Klein. Um, I was doing a little research, and I, I, I was not surprised with what my research found. But last night was Calgary's third win when trailing after 40 minutes of play this season. They had eight of those wins last year, which was second best in the league. We all remember the 2014-15 season where they had 10 wins of that nature, which ended up being the third highest total in the league that year. So since the start of the Find Away Flames 2014-15 season, the Flames have 34 wins when trailing after 40 minutes of play. That's the highest total in the league. The next highest total is Nashville at 32. So since 14-15, and that's five-plus seasons now, the Flames have 34 wins when trailing after 40 minutes of play. Now, I'm not trying to say this is how you want to win on a regular basis, but I do wonder if there is something to this group being more dangerous than the rest of the pack or or more dangerous than most of the pack win down after two periods of play. Because I do think... There's something to it. I also think there is a lot of fluke and statistical anomaly that go into it, but let me build this for you as to how there might be something more than just uh, fluke and whimsy that goes into that uh, because there are two areas that I think can play into it. One, I do think this team is one of the more gifted offensive teams in the league and what I mean by that is not necessarily from a 200 foot standpoint but when this team starts to chase and when they're down by multiple goals in the third period 
This is what happens. Uh, a, a coach will say, okay, it's time to chase, and that means you start to activate on the blue line and take significantly more risks offensively, uh, which, yes, leaves you exposed at the other end of the ice, but you're not worried about that. You're down by multiple goals. You're trying to get that one or two to get yourself back in it, and then you can stop that um, You can stop that pressing and you can stop that chasing. So when the Flames are activating with their blue line and how mobile they can be and with their group of forwards from Kachuk to Gaudreau, uh, Monaghan, uh, Lindholm is now into that conversation. This is a very dangerous group. That's number one. And number two, because they've done it as many times as they have and because it has been successful a few times, I also believe there's a little bit of belief and confidence when they're in that situation. So yeah, I don't think that it, it is 100% explainable, but when I look at them having 34 wins when trailing after 40 minutes of play, since the 14-15 season, and that being the number one total in the NHL. I don't believe that's a total fluke, but I'm wondering where you would fall on that conversation. No, I, I don't think it's a fluke, but I, I think it does kind of speak to the frustration that people would have with this team because the, the things that you mentioned where this group is attacking and the defense is activating and everything is going... You're allowed to do those things in the first two periods. Like that, that That's not just all of a sudden an ability you unlock in the third period. It's, it's totally cool to do that in periods one and two as well, and that's where the frustration builds in. And it, it's one thing to do it against Arizona, who I get, good season. I just complimented how hard they played, but th- this they is not like an, an elite-level team. Yeah, they, they were dogs last night. Um, but when you go up against a team like the Washington Capitals and you fall behind, that game... Back at the Dome last month, where Washington was in in town, that's how you handle a third-period lead. Washington just completely put a lockdown on the Flames in the third period. And you can do these types of things in the regular season when on a night-in, night-out basis, you're not necessarily playing the elite of the elite of the elite. But where this team is going to be judged in the postseason... You're playing the big boys, and if yep. you keep relying and you can't on this, do that. no, exactly. If you keep relying on this third period comeback thing, you're going to be done in five again. Fair enough, and absolutely. Again, I'm not saying this is a sustainable way of winning. I'm not saying right. it's something they want to rely on whatsoever. I just think that there is something to it that you know this team probably a little better than a good chunk of the pack in in that situation, maybe a little bit more dangerous when lurking in the weeds like that. And and the only thing that I would say is, yes, you can do that stuff in the first and second period, but there is a significant change in the third period. When you're when you're starting to play the score, when you're starting to, to chase like that, the 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 active instruction is to get away from your structure, right? Like mm-hmm. you play a structure and you you play that structure when the game is tied and when the game is close and still in the balance when all of a sudden that structure escapes you or you play poorly and you find yourself down multiple goals that's when the green light happens that okay you can start to take risks that we don't usually want you to take while we're playing in a close hockey game that's more what I mean when I talk about chasing and and starting to activate so on and so forth but yeah I I wanted to run that theory by you and and we're on the same page well there might be Mm -hmm. something to it it doesn't mean that it's something that you want to keep finding yourself in a situation to have to prove. Uh, they would like to stop being down after 40 minutes of play. Uh, final thought on the first segment today. Mr. Klein, uh, I am 100% against 
what the BC Lions decided to do today. I am so not on board with the BC Lions sacking Devon Claybrooks and making him the scapegoat of their bad season. This is one of the most short-sighted coaching moves I can remember in the Canadian Football League, and this reeks of a general manager trying to save his job. This reeks of a general manager building a flawed team and then uh, shifting the blame onto his coach. I hate it. I'm not saying that Claybrooks was perfect in year one. Um, because I thought that he made some missteps. His biggest misstep, I felt, was hiring a largely inexperienced coaching staff uh, with guys that were first-time coaches. He was a first-time coach. Really, the only guy that he had brought in with significant experience was Rich Stubler. For the most part, we were talking about an extreme, from Nick Lewis to Drew Tate to Brian Chu, who got fired midseason. Like, it was a very inexperienced first-time group of coaches, and I thought that was a bit of a misstep, and I think it played itself out as a misstep. But the BC Lions went out to bring in a highly sought-after head coach. They brought Claybrooks in to build a new culture and start to build something long-term. This was the guy that they were going to build around, and he was going to be the, you know, be the leader of what was supposed to be a new era for BC. And they decide to scrap that after one year? And I know it was an awful year, but they started to take some significant steps in the second half of the season. Then Mike Riley got hurt, and it was too far gone. I get that. But I saw plenty of strides in the back half of the season to suggest that, yes, this is still something that you want to continue on with. And then to go out and fire him after one year... So short-sighted, so counterproductive, and yes, I am 100% biased in this because I'm a big fan of Devon Claybrooks. I think he is a football savant. I think that he commands respect, and I think that he gets that respect from his players because he relates to his players. He made missteps. But this is an awful decision, and he deserved a whole lot more than that. I, I, I was, I, I was not surprised because I'd heard the rumblings, but I, I think it's just a horrible and short-sighted decision by the BC Lions today. It, it definitely is a move to save the general manager's job for building a, a team and forgetting that the offensive line is a thing. But just to to play devil's advocate here, this is How a dare you. <laughs> this is a guy who was brought in to for his defensive acumen, they give up the most points in the West Division. And they do make a bit of a charge late, but those wins are against Toronto and Ottawa, and admittedly a good win against Montreal. But they went 0-10 against the West Division, and again, gave up the most points in the division. You can squint and see where that would be a problem. He was not given the correct roster to coach, and I will 100% agree with you on that. This is not a decision I would have made. I don't think this is a decision a lot of teams would have made unless their general manager was sitting on the hot seat. It is not Claybrooks' fault that their offensive line did not protect even a little bit. But there were certainly some issues with this team that I think defensively he could have addressed as well. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying it was perfect by any means, but, geez, he's a first-time head coach and is one of the most highly sought-after coaching candidates in years. You'd think that even after a, a, a one bad season where things didn't go the way everybody had envisioned them to go, you might give him another year to say, okay, we saw some things, we're definitely not in love with everything, but... Could you not have at least given it a second year? That's that's where I that's where I am baffled. Like, I know that this is a um, I know that this is a very win oriented world that we live in, but 
geez, I just I felt like you're going to make that type of investment in a team and you're going to bring in a guy with that type of acumen and who's been sought after for years and you only give him a year, it, it just seems like a really counterproductive and morale-killing thing for mm-hmm. the BC Lions. So, well, and when, whenever yeah, you hear... Frustrating. Whenever you hear talks about building winning teams, it, it, it starts with bi- building a winning culture and the next part of that isn't... So what you definitely need to do is fire your coach every year. Like, that, that, that's just, that's not how this is supposed to go. And if he's atrocious, then fine. But it it seemed like the players connected with Clay Brooks, and I I am a little surprised that this is a, a move that happened today. It's it's not one I agree with, for sure. No, I, uh, I think it's a really bad decision by the BC Lions. Awful decision. Reeks of Ed Hervey trying to save his job. Uh, do you want to be part of our Beer League broadcast next year? Early in January, we're doing this. In December, we're choosing our team. So we need two teams to be a part of our Beer League broadcast. Go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 and tell us why your team should be part of this game. If you're one of the two teams chosen, you're getting personalized custom jerseys from Tuxedo Source for Sports and an after-party at the Wild Rose Tap Room. It's the Wild Rose Beer League broadcast brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, brewing quality quality craft beer in Calgary that fuels the hard-working Albertan. Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. Didn't talk a lot about goaltending in that segment. That's because we're doing that around the corner. Our goaltending analyst, Brent Kron's up next. Thoughts on David Riddick and maybe even a thought on Milan Lucic. That's as we continue on a Wednesday edition of the Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. I made an egregious mistake as we continue along on this Wednesday afternoon. Um, of course, Peter Klein is uh, is with us on this program, and um, I, I don't know if Pete is totally, um, well, if he is completely on board with how we uh, bring in Brent Cron each and every day. The problem is, I, I just put it at the top of the fan folder, Pete. This is my fault. I didn't prep you. I feel like I have made an extremely large error it is time for Brent Cron, and this is how we say hello to the one and only NHL goaltending analyst. Hi, hi, Brent. Did you have FM radio growing up in Winkler, Manitoba? I did, buddy. I lived close to Winnipeg. You guys have kept me on hold for five minutes while I had to listen to you two mud vents and talk about Love Inc. I was about to hang up, to be honest with you. are American Hockey League star. Such morons. We need to grow a set of stones here. Well, he sounds like my career, minus the two Stanley Cups. Tire fires, gas cans, the list goes on for you two idiots. But you know what? I do have fun when I do get on. So I have a bunch of other names for you guys, too, that obviously doesn't make it to air. Did any of the current and former NHLers know who you were? Or are they just like, who's this guy that they got off the street to play goal? Everybody, every, everybody knew who I was. How could you forget a first-round bust? Exactly. Oh, that was high-level drive-by stuff right there. I give you credit for that. Yeah. Now, what is it uh, with you and Will Malt? Well, I just he sucks. <laughs> there it is. You know? Fair enough. Yeah. I just it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, how long have you been holding on to that one? That's, uh, that's breaking me down into the fetal position right now. <laughs> and that is your NHL goaltending analyst. Yeah. yeah. With you two slugs, I'll tell you what I. It's just nice to be able to feel important carrying the show for 20 minutes. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you carried us both on your back. Good stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
Bye, Kron. Suck it, Will. Tell you what, if there's one guy undeserving of a 20-second montage, it's Brent Cron. But a 90-second one, I don't know what that tells you. Hi, Croner. Hey, you know what? I'm so pumped because I wasn't going to talk until this montage came on. So I'm, oh, I know. I'm happy. Bo- both of you stepped your game up here, and and you you set Kleiner up for for failure immediately. You can see you're not really a team guy. You're probably reveling in the fact that you sewered him. No, and I, I'm just I, happy I that publicly, you, you, you redeemed I yourself. I apologized and took accountability for my mistake. It was my problem, and I am here to be accountable when I make mistakes. We'll see. We'll see. I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second. I'll be accountable after this interview because it's a mistake bringing you on the air. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going. Now we're going. Uh, What's up, buddy? What would you think of your boy David Riddick last night? Well, he he leads the league in uh, in shots against uh, by by about 50. Uh, He's played 14 games this season already, tied with Marc-Andre Fleury at the top of most games played. And and I have to give him credit. He's been consistent. He he's battled night in and night out. Uh, they needed him again last night. He he stopped another, I think, thirty-four or thirty-five shots last night against the Coyotes. And, and he just he's making just such timely saves right now. And it's nice to see him get a bit of run support. The team the team's scoring a few more goals, uh, mainly Kachuk there at uh, clutch times. And and he he looks comfortable being the guy right now he looks really comfortable and he at the start of the season he he had a ton of emotion and you could see him doing the fist pumps when they score and and you know the frustration when he'd lose and that stuff and now that you you play more games you you start to settle in and those emotions seem to settle out and and you know just even the other night too just watching him he just seems a lot more calm even this last you know past couple games especially in Columbus on Saturday night, I thought he was tremendous again. He he just battled and, and looked composed and and I think it was uh, Sherwood, I think, or I can't that rookie there for for the Columbus Blue Jackets that gave him the old whack and yep. there was no he he didn't he didn't even snap. Normally Riddick would snap with stuff like that. Normally he'd it would affect him negatively or positively, but it would affect affect him in some way, shape, or form. And he didn't move. He didn't budge. And I saw that and I was like, wow, this is. I mean, for me, being a fan of a, a very poised goaltender, I understand that's not everybody's personality. You can't all be Carey Price. Some guys need to have a bit of fire, and don't get me wrong, I'm not discouraging that. But for Riddick's game, he's become a lot more quiet uh, in a good way. There's not that extra uh, flair on the saves or, or the, that extra effort. He's, put, he's, he's con- not conserving energy, but he's, he's working smart, and, and I re- I'm a really big fan of his game right now. Like you talk about how he has faced the most shots in the league and he's made the most saves in the league. Both are accurate. He also you talk about tied with Marc Andre Fleury in games. David Riddick's actually started the most games in the NHL, fourteen starts in eighteen games. Now part of that is because the Flames have played more games than anyone else in the Western Conference. But geez, had you told me in early November that David Riddick would be leading the NHL in starts, I don't know if I would have believed you. And that's not because I didn't have uh, faith in him. I, I'm a huge fan, and, and I, I think and have thought for the longest time that this is the guy, but I thought it would be maybe closer to an even split than 14-4 to the first 18 games. Me too. Um, I thought it would be more split for sure, but Cam Talbot hasn't played that great either. He had that one really solid game in Anaheim where he he was just he was there when needed and and in the remaining three games he's played he hasn't been horrible but he hasn't been outstanding either and and they've needed outstanding goaltending to win games and Riddick has kept them in games throughout the season the Flames have had trouble starting on time they haven't played a full 60 yet this season 
and they've relied heavily on their goaltender making big saves, and, and Riddick's been able to deliver. He's done a really good job of, of staying in games, and in, like I said, he's, he's had the most shots against in the league so far this season. There's a lot of high 30s, some low 40 games where he's played, where he's he's been lights out. And, you know, the, the, the team is definitely trusting him more, too. They're giving up shots from the outside because he can handle them. He's, but uh, the, the dangerous ones is what the ones I'm concerned with, where they're happening all too frequently, where they're getting the opposition is getting two-on-ones and breakaways and, and basically prime, prime scoring chances that the game can turn around pretty quick. And, and Riddick's been able to come up with those huge saves where, where Cam Talbot hasn't, and that's why... You know, I, I know the Flames organization is expecting more out of Cam. Cam especially is expecting more out of himself. And the problem is, is now he has to sit and wait because Riddick is on a hot streak. He's on a roll, but he, he doesn't look like he's just getting hot. He looks like he's comfortable playing every other night. He doesn't look like, you know, everything's just hitting him and or it's hitting the post and going out and he's getting the bounces. He's he's not getting bounces. He he he's 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 fighting for ice. He's fighting to to make saves. He's not quitting on plays. Uh, all things that you need to do in order to be a successful number one goaltender in this league. And, you know, what? once again, he's just like last night. I mean, the game could have got out of hand, and, and he kept it close, gave his team a chance to win, and it was nice to see the guy score four and, and win that game 4-3 because it could have very well just stayed 3-1. What'd you make of, you talked about Cole Sherwood in Columbus and how Riddick didn't lose his cool, but uh, part of that is because uh, a gentleman on his team came in to, to jump right to his aid. Milan Lucic suspended two games for popping Sherwood in the face on Saturday night. Uh, as a goalie, what did you make of Lucic's, Lucic sticking up for his teammate? I stood up and cheered. I was so excited. You know what? I, how, how, I mean, I know Cole's a rookie and... and, and you know, he's, it's one thing was, could have been his first game or one of his first couple of games, and he's just trying his bag off out there to, to stick and make an impression. But how stupid can you be? The, Riddick makes the save. There's no rebound. He goes and gives the goalie a whack and then acts like nothing is going to happen to him. Like he stood there like a deer in the headlights, and Lucic just came and, and popped him right in the side of the head. I guess that's kind of the, the state of the game, too, right, where guys do stuff like that, and they just don't expect to have uh, any physical type of repercussion. I mean, I, when I played, you know, you'd spray snow on the goalie or you'd, you'd, you'd uh, just skate by and chirp him or give him, a, give him a shot or a whack, and you'd get the hell beat out of you. Like, you'd have to pay the price for stuff like that, and now it's, it's not the case. So Cole Sherwood coming in there and giving Riddick a whack, I thought, you know, he's just trying to follow up on the play. He could have got a, you know, I mean, it, it was unnecessary, but he's trying hard. But then he just stands up and looks around like, like nothing was wrong. And I was happy to see Lucic pop him. He could have put himself in a, in a lot more a better position to just you know, not even get hit, but you know, to back away or brace yourself. But he just stood there like a moron, and, and Lucic just popped him in the side of the head. And I mean, yeah, he should have been suspended because the guy didn't defend himself. But for crying out loud, man, I mean, you're playing in the National Hockey League and you just whack the goaltender. Like, give him a game for being just being stupid. I mean, he just stood there acting like nothing would happen. So, you know, it, it looked bad because uh, he, he dropped pretty quick and being punched in Lucic, by Lucic, I can't imagine, would be a whole lot of fun. But he's got to do so. He's got to be able to stand up for himself, too. I think just the way the kid didn't defend himself and he just fell over, um, that's why he got two games. He's Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending analyst. I know that uh, Peter Labardius, if he's listening right now, is 100% on board with that. And I, I'm pretty much on the same page, too. Uh, I had no problem with what Lucic did. I get the suspension, too. Like, it's kind of 
I'm totally fine with it, and if he were to do it again and get suspended again, I'd be okay with it. Um, and at the same time, I totally understood the suspension. So I think uh, on the same page you and I are there with Milan Lucic. He's Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending analyst. Two more. Uh, I liked Antti Ranta a lot last night. Thought he played really well. Uh, pretty unfortunate to lose that game uh, from a goaltending standpoint. Boy, he and Darcy Kemper have made up a really good goaltending tandem uh, so far this year for the Coyotes. Yeah, you know, I mean, Darcy Kemper kind of came out of nowhere, too. He was in Minnesota system there for a while and kind of just, just getting by. And he comes to he comes to Phoenix, and last season, he was one of the best goaltenders coming down the stretch from January on, him and Jordan Bennington. I mean, he's and he's been consistent to start this season, too. I mean, he's, he's, he's tops in the league with a 940 save percentage, and he, he's a very calm goaltending goaltender when you watch him. He's an ex-Red Deer Rebel, and people in this province know exactly who he is, and and he's he's, a, he's just very calm in there. He looks very very much like Carey Price, and he's having a lot of success. I mean, the, the Phoenix Coyotes do work hard, and you know they they play the game with with what they got. They they they're intense. They won't cheat you for effort, and it's a battle. It's kind of boring, but it's a battle every night. And and Antti Rantas, uh, he's had some injuries uh, throughout his career that have kind of slowed, slowed him down. Sorry, sorry, that kind of kind of limited his uh, his playing his playing time, and <clears throat> he he didn't do. Uh, 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 I mean, you, you you saw him lose his his steal there the other game, which was kind of frustrating. And I would brought that up with Brian Burke there last week. But he, he's he's a tremendous goaltender too. He's one of those goaltenders I never thought that would be able to to maintain that level of play. He was a backup in New York. He was, I think, he was backup in Chicago and played good in the games he got in. But given a chance to be a starter, minus his 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 injuries, he's been a, a surprise for myself as well. That that you know overtime goal was a backbreaker. And you know, if you watch it from a goaltending sta- standpoint, Kachuk. Uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, I think it was Kachuk. He he had the puck and he held on to it for a very long period of time, and he was he was looking like he was trying to get that backdoor pass going, and that's what that's what Ranta was thinking there too. And then he just fired it on net through the legs, and Ranta was already kind of cheating a bit to the right side, and and it was just a it was a bad goal by Ranta. He'd be the first one to tell you that, but there's a little bit more that goes into it than just you know it's an easy shot from uh, from the short side there. But both goaltenders, you know, Phoenix is going to need their goaltenders down the stretch. They don't score a ton of goals on overly skilled teams. So they rely heavily on team defense and, and quality goaltending, and that's what both Ranta and Kemper can provide for, for the Coyotes. And finally, the next opponent for the Flames is tomorrow, the New Jersey Devils. And Mackenzie Blackwood really starting to take over as that team's number one. He's getting more and more starts, which is probably the way it should be if you're the Devils. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know what, uh, Corey Schneider's had a had a – a tough goal here over the last couple seasons with injuries and poor performance. He hasn't done a very good job and hasn't given himself a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities. Well, hasn't won very many games, and and he's still in the books here for another three years at six million per season. So Mackenzie Blackwood coming in and playing well. They they need a goaltender in that net. They they made a lot of changes this off season to, to bring in quality players like PK Subban, Wayne Simmons. They've you know they got Taylor Hall there. He's on the last year of his deal, and and they're they're looking to to, to make a move and to to get better. Uh, as a as an organization and and the goaltending has been a weak spot for him Corey Schneider hasn't really panned out and they're looking to for for the youth to come up and and, and give them some stability in that position and Mackenzie Blackwood's been solid uh you know he's definitely play, played or started the, the bulk of the games for New Jersey he had a big win last night in in Winnipeg winning 2-1 and you know I'm looking forward to seeing him play tomorrow night he's uh he's a young goaltender he played in I think I think he played for Team Canada in the World Juniors and you know he's got a high pedigree and and he's he's getting an opportunity now and a very good look in the National Hockey League level to see what he can do so you, know, you wish him all the success and and I'll be watching and he's he's definitely he's he's getting better one game at a time 
I take it back. It was not a mistake bringing you on the air today. Good stuff, Kron. On fire today, bud. On fire. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Bye. Brent Kron's our NHL goaltending analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Steinberg Show continues next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, your first question, sir. Um, with the uh, the changes to the D pairings last night in the third period of that Flames game that were much discussed post-game uh, rather aggressively by the uh, the Flames head coach, uh, did you like any of the pairings? Would you keep any of those moving forward? Well, I would, at least for a little bit, try some different looks because right now Calgary's blue line is with the pairings that we've seen has been I don't know it's been really hard to to figure out why it's been um as much of a as much of a struggle like Hamannick has struggled Giordano has struggled Brody has struggled Hannafin has struggled so yeah with all of that with with all four of them having struggled for a good chunk of this year I, I'm I'm all for seeing if a different look works for a little bit of time, whether it serves as a wake-up call to bring them back to where they want them to be, or if maybe you can find some different looks that you like going forward. So I, I would uh, definitely be in favor of them trying some different looks tomorrow. Like if they were to go Geo Hamannick, uh, Anderson Hannafin, Brody Shillington, or Brody Stone tomorrow – I'd be totally okay with it. My gut tells me it's going to be Brody Stone tomorrow, just the way practice looked today. But we'll see when they hit the ice for morning skate tomorrow. Second question. Uh, Devon Claybrooks let go by the BC Lions this morning. Are we done with CFL coaching changes? Are, are we done with CFL coaching firings, I guess, this year? Uh, let's see what happens with the Eskimos. With Rick Campbell and Devon Claybrooks out there as potential coaches, I'm fascinated to see what happens so i think that if the eskimos go out early if they lose the east division semifinal in montreal geez it might have to be a great cup appearance to save jason moss's job uh i think that all of a sudden that opens up a conversation and when you've got coaches like campbell and claybrooks that are all of a sudden free agents i think it might force some hands elsewhere. So that is going to be really interesting. Now, don't forget about Toronto, too, with Pinball and his general manager and Corey Chamberlain there, but nothing committed as to whether or not he's back next year, and you've got an opportunity to bring Rick Campbell in or Devon Claybrooks in. Yeah, I, I think that there are at least two other teams to watch in terms of the coaching carousel. Last question. Last night in overtime, the St. Louis Blues get a three-on-O rush and score. My question for you, if paired with two other NHL players whose sole purpose was to get you a goal in the NHL, could you score a three-on-O on an NHL goalie? Okay, now, do offsides count? Like, can we play like NHL yes. 94? No, we, we, we're working up? under the generally assumed rules of the National Hockey well, League. Then, that, I, then I don't know if I could. Uh, yeah, uh, on a three-on-o. Like, you, you, have, so. you have the I, same situation. You are out there in Jaden Schwartz's spot last night. Yeah, I think if you gave me ten shots at it, I could maybe <laughs> score one. <laughs> 
All right, you heard it here first. Pat Steinberg thinks he could score on NHL goalies. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. That's uh, three burning questions. I, one in ten <laughs> on a three on oh. Nope. Pat thinks he can score on every NHL goalie. There is context that you're forgetting here, Peter Klein. Uh, good stuff on three burning questions today. Uh, don't forget that uh, as the NFL season resumes tomorrow, well, it really hasn't stopped, but as uh, week 10 kicks off tomorrow, uh, don't forget that Shanks is your home for the NFL. Uh, two locations, Shanks Crowfoot Terrace, the newly renovated Crowfoot Terrace, and Shanks on McLeod Trail South. Get there for Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays for the best football experience in YYC and uh, enter to win a trip for two to Seattle to take on, uh, to see Seattle take on LA plus NFL prizes including team caps and jerseys shank south and the newly renovated shanks crowfoot your home for the nfl well that was not a happy head coach last night he was just as dialed in today and i get it it's a very interesting mood around the flames right now we'll flush it all out for you as pinder and steinberg kicks off next that'll do it for the steinberg show brought to you by fifth avenue auto house here on sports that 960 the fan